We turn this evening back to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 17 this evening, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, although our message is based just upon the last couple of verses of that, so that we are reminded of the context in which Paul uh, brings these matters before us tonight. We'll read the whole chapter. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too once walked. When you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. And then our text. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer and ask for his blessing. Father in heaven, we give thanks for the blessings of hearing your word, and we pray that we may just have a love for your word, for it is through your word that we have salvation through Jesus. And just bless Pastor Bob as he brings this to us, and may we all have attentive ears as we hear your word through him. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, two points this evening. First of all, the Word, 
And secondly, the results, or maybe we say the outflows of that word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the the phrase for our first point, the word. Now, first of all, we have to understand the term. Let the word. What, What does Paul mean? What does the Holy Spirit mean? What does Scripture mean when it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Well, if we went to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, we would read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, the Logos. We, we would learn there, if we were examining John chapter 1, that Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, is the Word. That the Bible, when it talks about the Word, is thinking, is teaching, that the Word and Christ are one and the same. Here, however, we have this phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what does it mean here? It means exactly the same thing. Let that which Christ has spoken, let that which Christ has given, let that which Christ has given to you and to I be that which dwells in you richly. But what does that mean? What what is the word that Christ has given to us that is supposed to be dwelling in us richly? This, Scripture, the Word of God, the Word of Christ, the Gospel, the Scriptures. That that in, in the Bible... There really is no way of differentiation between those things. The Bible means they're all the same. There is no separation between the Word and Christ. And there's no separation between Christ and the Word. There's no separation between Christ, the Word, and the Gospel. The gospel is the word, and the word is Christ. But there's another word that we can throw in, and that's the word doctrine. The Bible also speaks of the word, the gospel, as doctrine. In our world and in our society today, that word Doctrine has, well, don't, don't preach doctrine. Don't, don't talk about doctrine because, because that, that just divides people. That, that just separates people. Yet the Bible looks at it and says, well, if you're not going to preach doctrine, then you're not going to preach the gospel. And if you're not going to preach the gospel, then you're not going to preach the scriptures. And if you're not preaching the scriptures, then you're not preaching Christ. So you see how foolish it is to say, well, you you really shouldn't be preaching doctrine because that divides people. What in essence you are saying to somebody is don't preach Christ. Come up, give us some nice stories, tell us some nice little homilies, give us some, some nice little, you know, things we can think of. But don't talk about Christ. 
Don't talk about the word. Don't mention the gospel. Don't deal with doctrine because that is divisive. Yet what do we have here? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So understand what it is we're talking about. Okay? We're, we're not talking about some speech J Jesus gave at one time on one occasion that that's the speech. Oh, you got to make sure to let those words dwell on you richly. No, it is the entirety of that which Jesus has spoken. And what is the entirety of what Jesus has spoken? The scriptures. This is the entirety that we have from Christ. This is the word of Christ. Secondly, in regards to the word, we have to understand the action. What are we told to do? We are told to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To dwell in. It has the same idea that, that we have back in John chapter 1. That the word became flesh and what? Dwelt amongst us. And if we're in John chapter 1 and you've heard sermons on that undoubtedly, you hear, well, that dwelling is tabernacling. Yes, it is. The understanding here is no different. Let the word of Christ dwell. Let it tabernacle. Let it set a place. Remember, the tabernacle is a tent. They had to pitch it, right? So it's the idea of pitching the Word of God in the fabric of your being, in your heart, in your soul, to allow it to settle in, to take up residence, to take up a place. We, we sometimes use the, the, the talking about indwelling, the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. To indwell means that the word goes from being out here to being in here. That Christ goes from being out there to being in here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, there's one more thing about this dwelling in. The verb that is used here in Greek is identified as a present imperative active verb. What does that mean? It means this. In the Greek, a present tense verb means it's continual. Not that it's just happening now, but it's happening now. And it's happening now. Right? We, we just came back from one of those uh, great excursions. By the way, your, your uh, Infinity members who came along, wonderful, wonderful weekend. Okay? A blessing. Okay? Even when they sat through two one-hour sermons. Okay? Just take note of that. Okay, so I know they can do it now. Okay? That, that was just the test. Now that I know our young people can sit through one-hour sermons. Not one-hour church service. They were one-hour sermons. Okay? Um, new challenges are ahead, perhaps. 
wonderful young people. Just a joy and a delight to be with. But you know, when you're on that bus and you're driving and driving, invariably comes the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You probably have that as well with some of your children as well. Pastor Bob's standard answer is, yep, we're there now. Oh, we're there now. Oh, we're there now. Because every time the bus moves, we're there. Are we there yet? Yes, we're there. Continuous action, ongoing. That's the idea of this verb, that it's continuous. It's dwelling now. It's dwelling now. It's dwelling now. It's dwelling now. That there is no moment of time in which the word is not dwelling in. It's different than going to the store to buy something. That's kind of a one time. You're not always going, well, maybe some of you are. You're not always going to the store to buy something, right? This verb means it's ongoing, and it's an imperative, meaning it's a command. You are commanded to let the word of Christ dwell in you. This is not optional. This is not a choice, right? Paul is saying, go back to verse 1, because you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, and all that has followed. Now Paul is saying, look, you need to put on these things as a believer, and I command you. But it's not Paul commanding, is it? It's the Holy Spirit commanding. But it's not just the Holy Spirit, it's Christ as well. The word of Christ is speaking to us the command of Christ. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And it forms the, our, the idea of active. Meaning, it is for us to do. It's not for God to do. See, it'd be foolish, would it not? For for the command to be, let the word of God dwell in you richly, but don't worry about it. God's going to do all the work. Well, then there's no command. Then the one who has to do the let the word of God dwell is God. But because of the tense in which Paul is writing this, it means, no, I am the one who is to let the word of God dwell in me richly. This is something I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, can do because of Christ. Because of Christ dwelling in me, the Word can dwell in me, yet it, it, it's as if we're back in Deuteronomy chapter 3 with Og this morning. I've given him into your hand. Now, go put your weapons on and fight him. So here, here it is. Christ is the one who gives the means, who gives the power, but I am still the one who is commanded to let that word dwell. And then we are given an adverb. Sounds like a grammar lesson. Yeah, it is, but it's important here. Let the word dwell in you. How? How is the word to dwell in you? Richly. Richly. 
here richly means abundantly. Lots and lots and lots and lots. It's a relatively unused word in the New Testament. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit says, okay, this, this is not a word I'm going to overuse. I'm, I'm not going to overuse this word so that you understand the importance of it. Let me give you two of the incidences where it's used. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go to verse 17. This is Paul speaking to Timothy about fighting the good fight of the faith and what he is to address. Verse 17. As for the rich, material rich, in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God is designated as the one who richly supplies, who abundantly supplies that which we need. One more to look at. It's the book of Titus. Just forward a few pages. The book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 6. I'll go back to 4 and read 4 through 6. Titus 3. 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now listen. The renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom, who does the whom refer to? The Holy Spirit. Whom he, who does the he? God, whom he poured out on us, how? Richly. The Holy Spirit has been given to us richly, abundantly. God, who supplies all of our needs, abundantly. We are now commanded here in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell in us abundantly. Not just little, but to make it pervasive throughout our mind, throughout our heart, throughout our life. That the word of Christ, not not little bits, not fragments, but richly is to be a part of our life. This is a command that comes to us as believers. This is what we are to do. That word is to dwell in us. Now, Paul says, verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Those things, where I just started reading from the teaching and admonishing, are the outflow 
of a life in which the Word is dwelling richly in. When the Word dwells richly in, when the Word is abundant in us, what Paul is saying is that Word, as it were, grows and builds and pours out again. When we let the Word dwell in, the Word comes out. How? Paul says, in teaching. Teaching in wisdom, meaning teaching in truth. Teaching the truth of God's Word. Teaching that which God has told us. It's a reminder to us, is it not, of that which we read, okay, that in, in Timothy, of the fact that, that God's Word is useful. All of Scripture is God-breathed. God's Word, God's truth is to be studied. But God's Word is also to be taught. God's Word is not just taking in dwelling in us richly. But God's Word is to be taught. This, doesn't, this isn't some official teaching capacity. This isn't, well, you know, I could never get in front of a classroom and teach. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying you have to be a teacher. But when God's Word resides in you richly, then God's Word is taught. It's that which comes to mind. It's that which comes to thought. It's that which is applied. It's, it's, it's why the, 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 the parent in the book of Deuteronomy is, is commanded, teach these things to your children when you lie down, when you get up. Not, a, not because it's in the book, but because it's in your heart. It's so in your heart that every moment becomes a teaching moment. It's not because you have to go and dig in the scriptures for a particular verse to talk to that, that friend, that colleague. It's there. It, it just can't wait. They ask a question. And that word is so rich in one's heart, in one's soul, that it just comes out. God's word God's truth to be studied, to be taught, to be spoken. But it's also for admonishing, teaching and admonishing, correcting and training. It gives you the idea almost given the way that Paul has put these, that the teaching is there as an encouragement, as a leading, as an instruction. But the word is also dwelling in there for admonishing for correction, for training in righteousness, which is exactly what Paul wrote to Timothy about Scripture. That all Scripture is useful for that purpose. That there are times, yes, when we need to come and, and that word comes out of us. How? As an admonition, as a correction, as a training in righteousness. To provide the instruction. How shall the young direct their way? Thy law shall be his chief delight. God's word. And that when we're caught up in sin, we need that word to come from another believer that says, no, you're wrong here. You need to be corrected here. This is not right. 
And it arises out of the indwelling Word of God. Teach and admonish and sing. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? That singing becomes an expression of the Word that is within us. Singing audibly. Doesn't say singing on tune, although that helps. It doesn't say you have to sing loud, like Pastor Bob. But it does say you need to sing. And the only word in Scripture that understands singing is an audible sound. There is an audible sound that needs to escape from your mouths. You know, I have an interesting position up here, don't I? I can see things that sometimes you don't think I see. There are some things that, over the course of some 30 years, that, that I just don't pay attention to. So some of you will say sometimes, didn't you see these? You know, somebody get up and, nope. Didn't see it. Didn't you hear? Nope, didn't hear. I think Marv at a couple of times might have even had some seizures and I didn't know what was going on. But one thing I do notice are closed mouths when we sing. I notice that. Sometimes it may be because we're sick and this obviously is a unique circumstance and situation in life that we're in now. But I, I mean in the general perspective. When the, Paul is saying that when the word of God dwells in us, when the word of Christ, when the gospel is in us, it results in singing. It results in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing God's truth back to Him. See, that's what singing is. That's what singing is to be in the church. That's why we believe in congregational singing. That's why we believe it's the congregation who the vast majority of the time ought to be singing. It doesn't mean we don't have the choir, we don't have a group sing now and then, or an individual but it means the vast majority of the time, we as the congregation are to open our mouths and sing God's truth. Because as we sing God's truth, what do we do? We teach and admonish one another. God's word comes out. The singing in a church is, is not an entertainment venue. It's an expression of of that which resides in the heart. And I know many of you believe that. And I know many of you know that truth. So I'm not going to belabor it except for one point. The thing that I hear over and over and over again about the weeks that we did not meet is, oh, I miss the singing. Now believe me, if you missed it, think of Sandy sitting next to me hearing me sing as the only person in that room, okay? 
That's a beautiful expression, isn't it? I miss the opportunity to pour out the word of God that is within me. That's one of the most blessed things. Maybe, maybe. There, there, see, there, maybe that's just another reason. We take it for granted. We just assume we'll always sing. And we don't even think about it. Maybe we've stopped paying attention. Maybe we've stopped participating. And then God says, okay, we're going to pause this. We're going to take this away from you for a few weeks. Oh, I miss that. In all things, God works out his purposes for our good, doesn't he? I will note, and I, and I think others will testify it as well, our singing has drastically improved because I think we've learned to value it. Not for the singing itself, but for the opportunity to express that which is in here. That which is in our hearts and within our souls. Because the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. Singing. What else? Teaching, admonishing, singing. Thankfulness, an attitude, an expression, a demeanor of thanks. What happens when the word of God dwells in you? You don't look like this is the worst day of the rest of your life. And that tomorrow is going to be worse and the next day is going to be worse yet, and the next day is going to be worse yet, because the Word of God is dwelling in us richly. doesn't mean that there aren't times, folks, that we go through when it's hard, when it's difficult. Right? Our pastor last Sunday reminded us, it's interesting, Psalm 23, he restores my soul. Why does he need to restore our soul unless our soul is downcast within us? And that's David. Man after God's own heart needed his heart, his soul restored. Of course we go through that. But when it becomes our life, when our life is noted by our negativity and our ingratitude and maybe our pride and our arrogance rather than our humility because that's what thankfulness is. Thankfulness is an attitude of humility, recognizing that the Word of God dwells in us richly. What is that Word? It is the Gospel. What is the Gospel but grace? I don't deserve anything that I have. I don't deserve one blessing from Christ. I don't deserve one benefit from Christ. Yet the Word dwells in me and tells me what I have in Christ. What does that make me? Prideful and arrogant? to drive us to thankfulness, humility. Thank you, Lord, for that which you have given. And a demeanor, an attitude, a life of thanks. What else does it involve? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. Now he simply says this. Listen, folks. When the word of God dwells in you richly, you know what it is? 
It's life. You live. You live the word. You live the life of Christ. You live it in whatever you do, in whatever circumstances you face. You live it out. But Paul is the master, isn't he, of of setting things up. This is like Paul saying, in everything. Now, let me break that apart for you. And that's where we start next week. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, see, now he's breaking it down. In everything, in everything, glorify the Lord. In everything, in whatever you do, bring him glory. Paul is like saying, okay, I've listed teaching, admonishing, singing, thankfulness. But don't think that's it, folks. Don't think it's, it's this list of things. It's in everything. When that word dwells in you, that word produces a life. A life that is God glorifying. A life that is God-pleasing. So that whatever you do, you're seeking to bring glory to His name. Not to you. Not to you. It's not to call attention to self. It's to focus on Christ. Out of, once again, thankfulness. So we'll pick that up, Lord willing, next Lord's Day. And and we'll begin to look at how how does this apply in life? This in everything. Well, it's in your marriage. It's in your family. It's in your work. It's in your relationships. It's in everything. Let the Word of God pour out in your life. That which happens here, that which happens in your bedroom as you read God's Word, that which happens in a Bible study, is never to remain there. And it's never just to remain here. It's always, always to be lived. We study, we learn. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Not so that our knowledge increases, but that our living for God's glory increases. And God's people say, Amen. Father, we pray along with the psalmist. Teach me, O Lord, Thy way of truth. May that, Father, be the desire of our hearts. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.